Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grayscale Gorilla Podcast. Happy Monday to you all. Uh, we have uh, Chad Ashley here. Hi, say hi, buddy. Hello, hello. <laughs> we also have Chris Schmidt. Hi there, everybody. Hi, guys. How was uh, how, how are you doing on this lovely, lovely Monday? Is it lovely? I haven't been outside yet. It's not that lovely here. Every it's Monday is shitty. lovely, guys. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. You work for Grayscale Gorilla. Every Monday is lovely, right? That's true. It's that in the contract. Yep. <laughs> Must love Mondays. <laughs> Must love Mondays. <laughs> uh, we get the enthusiastic, like, happy Monday exclamation marks from Nick every Monday. So just right. that reminder, you know, keep on smiling. <laughs> well, keep on smiling. You know, here's the thing: we're all we all get to sit behind computers and do mostly stuff that we like to do all day. And hopefully, those of you listening are doing the same thing. Uh, so I hope wh- wherever you're listening, wh- if you have a coffee, yeah, you got a water, whatever you're up to, you're, you're smiling. It's a Monday, and uh, you, you know you're, you're 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 learning and you're doing something you like to do. That's really the the goal behind Happy Monday. Um, you know. Fridays are there good are definitely, too. There's definitely worse ways to spend a Monday. <laughs> yes. For sure. Well, so what's been going on in um, Cinema 4D, 3D news? Anything new happening around uh, around the uh, the world? Uh, I want to tease the teaser real quick. On uh, on this Wednesday, we are going to be releasing the. I, you want it's I guess it's the recap. So recap video and teaser. It's a recap video of Ask GSG Season 2, and then it's the teaser for announcing the next season of Ask GSG, which is pretty soon. And I actually got to edit the video together and go through like 80 hours of content and find some of my favorite clips and try and trim 80 hours of material down to three minutes, which is fun. (laughs) I actually, it took a while. It, It took longer than I thought it would, but I thoroughly enjoyed the process. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't do a lot of editing. That's like, it was fun. That's like cutting down a documentary. You know, like that's a lot of footage. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I'm excited. I saw a little uh, a preview of the preview, and it's looking really good. I'm excited to get that out. We got um, season three starting on. We can announce it here, right? Yeah, Did we can we do it. talk about sure. it. Sure. Super extra announcement. October twelfth. Right? October twelfth, Wednesday, mm-hmm. October twelfth. Yeah. Chris will be back. One and p.m. Central I, Time. Think with special guest Chad Ashley. Yay! <gasps> what? Chad, Quiet. Your secret. Now, if you guys are not aware of what SGSG is, uh, we get a lot of questions and in comments and emails, always and of tweets and, and emails tweets and, and everything in of person you guys and everywhere asking for you know specific tutorials. How do you do this effect? How do you pl- how do you use this tool? And we set aside an entire. Uh, you know, season uh, an entire couple hours every Wednesday during the se- um, during the Ask GSG seasons to answer your questions. So, if you guys have questions, you can come by on October twelfth, and then every Wednesday after that for this season to come and ask your questions. So, get your questions ready. Get the questions ready. Find mm-hmm. your inspirations. Find cool things you want to make. Think about Cinema 4D, especially if Chad's around. We'll be able to tackle more After Effects and some Photoshopy type things. Sure, um, I'm going to bring questions for you too, Chris. Yeah, excellent. Uh, no, and I thoroughly enjoyed the last one um, with with you, Chad. Uh, oh, and then, um, yeah, and for two hours we just answer questions. Yeah, talk and about that'll be fun. Now, previously as well, um, we have had the Patreon page, which uh, Patreon is kind of like a Kickstarter kind of situation where you can kind of pay at different levels and get stuff. And in the past, that's kind of where we've had the um, Ask GSG seasons 
for to, to kind of watch after if, if you missed them live. And that works okay, but it's a little confusing to most people um, that are trying to watch old episodes. You have to like sign up for this monthly payment and, it, and old videos got a little confusing. So we're doing something a little bit different this year, which is we're having all three seasons for sale. Um, so if you miss season one or season two and you want to catch up with what would you say like over 80 hours of content, um, uh, then we'll have season. those available for you. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of it's a That's lot insane. of questions and answers. So um, look for that coming soon. If you're a Patreon member, uh, look for some emails coming soon as well about what we're doing, and we'll um, make sure to to make it fair for everybody. But if you can't make it live and want to watch season three, we're also gonna kind of pre-sell season three. So that's something new we're 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 trying, but we're gonna uh, have some announcements on that as well. So keep keep an eye out if you want literally hundreds more hours of us uh, going and playing with Cinema 4D. Um, should be all the behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. All, it's all, like an encyclopedia of stuff. You know, There's going through it all, it's really, um, you really cover a lot of different stuff, Chris. It's, it's fun to watch some of the, some of the episodes I've even haven't seen since you ran a lot of season two. It's, uh, you really dig into some crazy, crazy stuff there, man. I, I like digging the crazy stuff, but when I don't have a guest, there's always the weakness of I get really excited about the technical stuff, and then once we solve the technical problem, I'm like, okay, good enough, done. And then and then Nick is always like, where's the render? Why didn't you finish it off? Where's the lighting? And it's like, I, I, I'm not interested anymore. Let's hit another question. That's funny. Um, so I so it's I feel like that's really good for on stream, but it's not so good for having that sexy render at the end of the day to be like, oh, I want to watch that episode. Yeah. Right. So the eye candy. Yep. Well, it, it, uh, I still remember our, our tag team tutorials are still some of my favorite, Chris. Those those were great. But then you moved away, and oh. now, uh, well, you got, now, now you we're just now I just have the technical guy doing things. <laughs> I think you two should do a tag team. Chris, you make something crazy, and then hand it off to Chad. Uh-huh. And then, Chad, you could open it there up in, like, different renders if you want. That's it's right, up man. to you. I'll, I'll just... I'll just roulette wheel. What render will I use today? Well, we could try and make things in mine, and then Chad can do a follow-up show oh, yeah, where that, he then takes them and idea. then makes them sexy. That actually I did a good that idea. last season, uh, or maybe it was season one, but you made, Chris, uh, I'm trying to think what season of Ask GSG this was, but you made uh, an arc reactor um, Iron Man kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And the then one. The, the end... That was on your episode, and then my episode, which was just me, I went in and textured and lit it and made a scene out of it. So that could be a cool way to to, to do you know a little back and forth with the next yeah. season. That's actually yeah, we'll not a bad idea. That. Well, we have uh, that. What, what else is coming up here in uh, Grayscale Gorilla Land? Oh man, so much stuff. We've got. A ridiculous a busy end of the year. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I think that you know, right now, I feel like it's like this weird calm before the storm. Like I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not stressed out or anything because we're not to that point yet. But we're going to be launching a new site, new store, new products. You know, um, new training, new classes, new Ask GSG stuff. I mean, there's just so much going on that. Um, I've, I've, I've definitely got to start, like, busting out the old post-it notes and, like, making sure stuff doesn't fall through the cracks because it's going to get into that. Yeah, it's getting to that point of the year where, you know, we have a lot going on. And I think people are actually starting to, um, at least from what I can tell, starting to uh, recognize that GSG is, like, you know, doing all these different things. And 
everybody's really supportive of of all of our new our new products and new endeavors. I was just on the Brograph uh, podcast um, last night talking to those guys. Those guys are awesome. We'll put their show in the links in the in the show notes. Um, but yeah, they were you know mentioning to me how they felt like GSG is like stepped up its game in terms of like i don't know just both in in the community and in in training and in plugins and whatnot and i'm just like really excited to hear that because it means that what we're doing is working that's good that's awesome well thanks to you guys too i mean that's that's really been the goal to get you know first of all when chris joined stepping up the technical side of of knowing all about what the heck you know cinema 4d does like just seeing all the you know years that you've put into figuring these tools out and then now to have uh chad in it's just we got such a cool team here i'm 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 glad people are recognizing what we're what we're trying to do it's our full-time gig now you know it's it's all of our full-time gig here building tools making training doing this podcast doing uh you know youtube stuff behind the scenes stuff we got the new plugin so that's cool that's good to hear and when when does their uh, podcast go out so people can um um, I that. think it'll. I think they always either do it Tuesday or Wednesday. So either um, it'll be what October fourth or October fifth. Um, okay. It should be we'll out. Just link up to their. Yeah, main we'll link page. it up. They're they're really nice guys and they do a mm-hmm. great job and they're like huge octane like. I guess I, I I'd call them octane nerds, but they <laughs> they're open to other things. But they octane's just what they use on a daily basis. So we kind of go really deep into rendering on that show and talk a lot about what I think about where it's headed and Octane and all that sort of jazz. So if you're interested, check it out. Well, where are you sitting these days, Chad? You're you're playing with all these renders. What are <laughs> Dude, you using the most? Uh, you know, I don't. I've been I've been really kind of I've been using Octane a lot just because you know we're thinking about doing the the training um, and what that's going to be like. So I've been doing a lot of that. Of course, I'm still doing a lot of Arnold as well. I'm also testing some other renders that I can't mention um, yet. Uh, Ooh, VIP status. Yeah, so some you, beta buddy. stuff. So, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely just more, I'm, I'm using a lot of Octane just because I'm trying to understand how it's working and how it might work with the training and all that sort of thing. But yeah, so... Cool, Chris. Yeah. What have you been up to, man? What's your What's your cinema day to day looking like these days? Oh, geez, I'm not even. I mean, it's been all it's all been the tool programming stuff behind the scenes. Um, what? I mean, yeah, I I actually haven't gotten to spend that much time directly behind cinema lately, like doing just creative things or playing with cinema or learning buttons. So I don't have a new, I don't have a fun new button I've been pushing like in the last couple of weeks, like. Not since before Hefrez was really prepping. Well, that's so, what, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm will definitely do that yeah, for you. Yeah, SGSG, that, that warms up the muscles mm-hmm. without, uh, without those questions, and I just, uh, it all gets stagnant. Yeah, bring your, bring your questions for Chris for SGSG so you could really stump them. Get yeah, some good ones. Shake off the rust. <laughs> yep. That's always a fun part in those shows is I, I, I've had people talk to me about it where it's like, they'll see me look at one, it's like, oh, I don't think we can do this, but here's this thing to try. And then by the end of the episode, I'm like, Oh, that was the coolest technique is like, I didn't think we could do it. And that, so it's like, it's the impossible questions that I end up being really happy with. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I like watching your, your workflow on that. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know if this will be possible, but let's try it. It might work. It might not. And then you, 
you know, invariably get stuck somewhere in the middle there. And, and he figures then, it out. Yeah, there's always like that one <laughs> checkbox or technique or something. You're like, oh, of course, and then that clicks, and then it all starts working again. It's it's just fun to watch that almost everything is is just possible. You know, that's that's really cool. So awesome, AskGSG. Uh, we got uh, we got uh, the Brograph podcast. Uh, Chad, you mentioned something uh, last week about customizing Cinema 4D. Yeah, so I kind of got into this. Well, I did that that um, that tutorial about the Windows utilities, you know, and it kind of like uh, it was it was. We'll post it up in the links, but it's just about like all the little free utilities I use in Windows to make life go easier and faster and whatnot. And um, and I was thinking about like, okay, how do I apply that same mentality to Cinema 4D? Is there things that I could be doing better in terms of workflow to make things go easier, faster, better? So I, I you know, I started to dive into customizing Cinema 4D, which I really hadn't done that much of. You know, I changed some hotkeys around, and then I had like a, a work space for rendering but i hadn't really you know really looked at it like and so i had some time last week and i started to dive in and i made a new like starting startup workspace um that is or layout i guess you call them um and i actually went and i've you know asked some people what are the scripts that you use on a daily basis and i started implementing them and um so I, I've just kind of got into that, and then I started looking at like render tokens, and then I like had this great idea of like, okay, I'm going to make using render tokens and explain what a render token okay, is. Okay, so oh god, you know they probably came out in sixteen, right? You guys would tell. No, I started in I th- seventeen. I think it was seventeen. Was it seventeen? Okay. So what a render token is is it's basically. Um, a way, uh, it's a little chunk of information that you put in your output field when you're rendering something out. And if you go, look in 17 or above, it sits right there. And it looks like a little triangle. Um, looks like a play triangle sitting in next to your file name. And in there are all these tokens. And they're, they basically are little chunks of information that, that, that will basically fill in your name for you or like change your name. So let's say that you want to make sure that you always name your output file with your resolution. So there's a resolution token. So then um, if you select that resolution token and you say test render underscore, you know, resolution token, it will automatically look at your output resolution and append that to your name. So tokens are a way to name your files using shortcuts and information found on your system. I'm explaining it in a way more technical way than it really is. It's really pretty simple. But I remember when I was using 3ds Max, like, and I had been using this plugin called RP Manager, which was a render pass manager that it was a plugin you had to buy. And it was really complex, but the cool thing about it was you could configure it all to like essentially automatically name your your output based on your scene name, and your camera, and the date and the time. So what I did was I was like, I want to figure out if I can take tokens. And make it so I never have to name an output again. So <laughs> I, because I hate, I, I always forget, you know, like, did I name this version one, version two? Which one was this? And all that. And what scene was it with? And all that sort of thing. 
So I found out that Cineversity, um, one of their tools that they that they sell on the CV toolbox, is an add-on for tokens. It's basically tokens on steroids. They basically have tokens for everything from the date, the time, <laughs> um, you know, all these crazy things. And it just once you install this, and and it just gets added to your token list. So I made this string that basically will um, when I when I set it up and I have a scene set set up like this, it will automatically look two folders back from my scene file, and then look for um, a render output folder, which is always the same in my project directory, and then it will create a folder um, based on the date. And then uh, the time, and then uh, I forget what it, uh, what the other ones were. But essentially, what it does is it 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 means that if I change the version of my scene file, like I go you know test scene version two, and I hit render, it is going to put that in a test scene version two folder in a date and time folder. So I can keep hitting render again and again and again, and it'll never overwrite any of my renders because it's always going to be, unless I'm sending it off at the exact same second, because that's how crazy you can get. You can get down to the second. So that way you have, like, if you're working that way, and you keep rendering, and you keep rendering, and you're doing test renders and test renders. You can go back into your render folder and look at, okay, what scene was it from, and what time did I make that render? And you can go back and find that scene file um, without having to do anything. Like once you've set it up, it's like a robot; it just works, and you don't have to uh, ever so think you, about it. So you can it. render to the to the viewport, or not the viewport, but to the render um, queue. Not mm-hmm. the render queue. What am I? What am I your saying? Your output, your file. Yeah, output. yeah just, just to the, the re- picture viewer. Yeah, the picture viewer. Thank you, Chris. You can render the picture viewer like, and instead of it just getting saved in that side channel, mm-hmm. which I've always wanted, like, kind of to back that up. Yeah, that's kind of what you built, right? Yeah, that's what the. I mean, all it really is is just saving your output every time you hit render, and you know, putting it in a folder that's easy to search for. And and that's yeah, that's essentially what it what it's doing. So you never have to worry that's about cool. you know oh, number one, did I what did I name this output? What did I what should I name it? Because once you once I set up this file, I was like, okay, this is going to be like my default Arnold file, and this is going to be my default Octane file, and I'm always going to open up that file when I start one of these projects. That way, the outputs are always in line with this whole workflow that I made up and then so then i went even further i was like okay this is cool but now i want to do the same thing with what i used to call and a lot of my and max people call play blasts but i think in cinema they're called um previews or something and chris i asked you about this last week and you were like i never use this i didn't i know why would you use a preview why would you want this and because in you know where i came from you couldn't you can't just you don't you don't render out a RAM preview or play blast to your picture viewer. You spit it out to a QuickTime or an AVI or whatever. So then I was like, okay, so where do the you know because you can do that um, in Cinema. You can make preview and it'll save it as a um, QuickTime or an AVI, but it puts it into like this really weird directory, like user data directory kind of structure thing. So I was like, I want to be able to have a render preset for doing previs that does what I did for the file output, which means that I want it to automatically save a new uh, previs file every single time um, I, I make a new play blast. 
so that I can go back to it and look at it. And I got that working, except there's a bug I found with um, the camera token in QuickTime. If they, they're trying to figure out what's going on with that, because what I really wanted to do is make sure that any play blast I was doing would have the camera as a part of that name so that I could always go back and tell which camera I was using in that particular shot. And um, so I kind of nerded out over all the tokens and stuff. Now, this is this may be a good quick way to talk about some of the workflow for this stuff because it's not a lot of times we get to talk about this on tutorials. Well, is it, there a tutorial coming out for that, Chad? I, I probably should because I feel like when I tweeted it out, I like screen grabbed my... my um, my output thing and a lot of people were like well i didn't even know that you could do this and i'm like well you you can it's a you know you have to have the cv toolbox and all that but it's totally possible i i should do a tutorial on it because it's actually it's a workflow thing that a lot of studios use because they don't want necessarily their artists to have to worry about where their outputs are going so it's like it's kind of a big studio technique that you can use at home um which i think is cool so maybe i will do one yeah, and and you also mentioned Playblast, and, and from working, you know, as a little bit at least in the industry, um, you know, this, that, that all comes from basically just getting a really crappy version out there for editors and f- to, like, start to understand timing, right? Yeah. That's just, like, the real low res or no lighting or no anything, like, even just, you know, uh, yeah, outlines and stuff just to get timing of it. Yeah, it's kind of a um, it, it's a hardware in in Cinema 4D terms. It's a hard. It's usually a hardware render with no lighting or anything on at all, and it's it's a way. The reason that they exist is because a lot of times you'll have a scene file that just won't play real time. Um, that's how they came into existence before was because you couldn't hit play and see, see your scene play down in real time. So you'd have to basically render out a hardware version. And I'm talking about like in the Maya Max days, like, you know, 10 years ago. So before the hardware wasn't that fast, you'd have to, you know, bake out your little, um, wireframe into a movie file so that you could see it in real time. And then as thing things progressed and you could see things in real time, you needed to get them out to an editor. Maybe you were doing like some, um, you want to figure out how it's going to play in the edit. So you don't want to necessarily render out a completely awesome render just to check timing. That's silly. So you render out um, a quick time in hardware mode where things are representative of what they're going to be when you go out to final, but they don't need to look good. Um, And that's really... um, that's how for the beginners out there that's that's how you figure out your animation you're never really mm-hmm. you're, you're sharing it with editors you're sharing it with art directors and you're doing it through a QuickTime or an avi or something you're not doing it with a final render you know i've done that too just to t- uh, test animation timing like you said like a lot of dynamics uh, simulations never play back real time in the viewport and it's really easy to go like oh i like the timing of this it feels really majestic and really slow and then you (laughs) and then you do an output of it and you realize like those 90 frames that you thought were you know really majestic go by so fast and all the dynamic speed is way off because you're not watching it real time so i i I tend to forget about that a lot of times and then i'll go do a final render without doing that play blast and Mm -hmm. realize oh no like my speed is off and then I'll have to do tricks like, you know, add frames. Like that's always a nice trick is just to add uh, extra frame rates. So now it's like, okay, <laughs> Twixter. 
<laughs> yeah, well, not even not even in cinema, after the yeah. fact. Like in cinema, you could say, "Oh, oh, it's a, this want- is a thirty second or a thirty frame quick time, but I'm outputting sixty frames." Yeah, oh, I didn't even know you could do that. It'll interpolate and basically give you a high speed camera, and essentially you're picking the frame oh, rate cool. of your output. So you could leave your static hmm. scene at twenty four frames a second, then your output can be. Um, you know, 80 or 90 or 200 or 120, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'll get all that extra data and it'll take longer to calculate, of course. You have to worry about, you know, baking it at the right frames per second, all that stuff. But yeah. uh, that helped a lot in getting out timing that I can then adjust later. Yeah, it's really, that's what, you know, when you start doing dynamics and stuff, you start to realize like, you know, oh, am I looking at what's really happening in my dynamics or is it just like trying to give me as close to real time as it can and and, and it's not as accurate of a solve. So that's why, yeah, it's, whenever you're doing dynamics, it's like either you're you have to bake it out, like cache the dynamics or play blast it to be able to see really what's happening. So this is uh, somewhat a little bit similar. How do you guys set up your menus? Like we have all these ways of even Cinema 4D comes with like all these different types of menus. They have the the uh, painting, sculpting menu. Mm-hmm. They have or layout, I should call it. Yeah. They have the standard layout. They have modeling layout. Do you guys use those, or I, I always end up like just using the same one? But I'm not as much of a power user as you guys. So what do you? How do you guys use layouts in different ways? Uh, well, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, uh, it's pretty straightforward for me. Uh, I, I've had a, a thing for a long time where I like working from everything pretty much in vanilla. Like I don't customize things whenever I can avoid it. And that goes for like Photoshop or cinema or video games or whatever it is because – and maybe this goes back to my school days when I was jumping from machine to machine, machine, because you customize and then you don't have your setup. And then you go from R17 to 18 and I have to copy your preferences in or reset them. So I end up just making a couple of little tweaks. Like I, I almost never leave my default layout, uh, except if I'm doing UVs, mm. uh, because you you do need a new layout then. <laughs> yeah. um, There's really no way to avoid then, that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I might set up a shortcut or two that I don't normally and... Um, I leave it vanilla and I set up a scripting layout. So if I'm going to do code, I have like all those windows mm-hmm. customized out the way I want to. But besides that, I usually just pop out a timeline window and dock it behind my viewport. I pop out a the picture viewer and I dock that behind my viewport. And then I'll do the same with the Espresso window and it all goes behind my viewport. And that's and I'll save that as my default default layout. And that's pretty much the main change that I do. I just like all my main windows all hiding behind the, the viewport. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of I, I'm a little bit of an opposite. Like I I like to like nerd out and like customize the hell out of it, and probably um, maybe too much because I do run into that problem when I install a new version. I'm like, okay, gotta like get all this crap over to the new version, and then so you're I, gonna come over for SGSG, I know. and you'll be like, I'm gonna wait, be where's compl- my button? I'll where's be, my shortcut? I'll where's this lost. thing? I'll be lost. But you know what? That's okay. I, I like being able that's what I love about <laughs> cinema is like we didn't have these like drag off menus and stuff in in 3ds Max so oh. I'm, I'm kind of like the um, it, it, the shine of it is like is fun for me and, and like <laughs> you're in the chocolate factory yeah, going like oh my god yeah, look at so, all these. like I made a layout for 
um, Arnold, I made a layout for. I made I make layouts for all the different renderers that I use because they all have different you know tool menus and stuff. But generally, I have my um, my IPR in my lower right quadrant, and then I have my um, my viewports all in the upper left quadrant, and my material editor in the lower left, and my object menu and attributes in the upper right. And mm. I I've, I kind of got into the habit of keeping my objects, my object viewer and my content browser tabbed uh, with each other. And then I keep the, the layer, men, my layers in a separate section so I could have layers and objects up at the same time, um, which is really useful when you're like dragging stuff into different layers and stuff. But then I really like when I started to get into, you know, customizing stuff last week, I was looking at scripts that people use and because that's something coming from Max that you you just kind of like you have to have scripts and and you get them from script spot, you get them from all these different places. So I started looking at like what are the scripts that that are people are using every day in cinema. And I found, and you guys probably already used this one, but I found one that I really like, and I don't understand why it's just not in there, which is the um, the Magic Solo um, script by Nitro Man, uh, which essentially just will solo whatever object you have selected, uh, both it and its materials. So um, the material editor will just show you the active uh, material on that object. And it's a really useful script because I, I, I like being able, like I get easily like, you know, overwhelmed if my scene is like really cluttered and I, I want to just dive in on one asset. I want to be able to solo that asset and, and look at just that asset with its materials. And if you have like a bunch of objects and, and the solo tool works pretty well, the default one, but I don't think it actually solos it in the material editor. Um, so this script is really nice. Does that? Do you guys yeah, going to say, isn't there a solo didn't they add a solo tool like a couple versions back? Um, Cinema, they're like Maxon directly. I'm not sure. I don't do much in the way of soloing. I just like do the, do like the shortcuts to jump right to the object. Well, there's the solo um, viewport single and all that stuff that's happening, but I wasn't able to find one that would solo the object and only show you the one material that's assigned to that object. Um, that which is kind of cool. And then the same guy that made that made this other one that you guys might dig. It's called magic anim curve. And, um, it is essentially like I can screen grab if that's, should I screen grab? I mean, if those of you who aren't, who are just listening, you have to check this out on YouTube. You have, but, to, you um, have to super narrate this. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'm going to narrate it because it's a really cool, um, it kind of reminds me of the ease and whiz in after effects. Okay, yeah. So let me just um, show you here. Make sure you double-click Chad next so he gets big. So oh, yeah, I can't because we're screen recording. I think we just, <laughs> I think the screen just went a little crazy for everybody. So like, um, okay, so let me just grab an object here, and I'm just going to uh, move it over here. So here's, and, and I've also, like I said before, I've been watching that uh, Merkel vision or however the heck you pronounce that dude's youtube channel but what's interesting to me is like you can actually set a keyframe on an object just by holding down control and clicking in the timeline um so i don't have to actually um i don't actually have to advance my time to set a keyframe at frame 90 i can just do it just like that so all right so i set these keyframes and it's just like this default keyframe right now but if i if i grab this magic anim curve tool you can see it's got all these like curves 
preset curves. It's got like ease out, ease in, extra smooths. And Uh-oh. and so now if I start clicking through these, you're going to see, uh, actually, I think I have to select the attribute that's animated. Um, why is that not working? It was working before. Is it doing it? No, I don't think it's doing it. I don't it. see the frames changing. Uh, let's just make sure that... Oh, you know what? I think you actually have to select the animation curve. So I'm going to go into the animate menu here. Um, let's see. Yeah, here we go. I believe if I do it here, it should change it. Well, anyway, I'm not doing a proper demo of it. But anyway, <laughs> forget, no. forget everything I just did. <laughs> um, but trust me. It, once you like grab the animation curve, when I changed my layout, I lost the um, script. I don't have it in that in that layout. But anyway, so it's kind of like that magic ease whiz thing in After Effects where I found myself like, oh wow, that's actually kind of useful because a lot of times you know you'll dive in and you'll change the um, the interpolation of those keyframes or, or you'll drag the handles out, but this kind of does it for you and it's kind of nice. So do you, do you guys have any tools me. like that that you use that are third party or maybe somebody else wrote? Um, I try to stay away from, I'm, I'm with Chris a little bit where I try to keep it all as basic as I can, mostly, uh, for training purposes, because I, I'll, you know, I'll never know what computer I might be on, uh, to show somebody how cinema 4d works. And I would just hate to like get on a machine that I'm not comfortable on and then fumble around. Cause I already do enough of that. I don't need <laughs> my layout. Uh, I don't need my layout making me look even worse. So I try to tend to keep it real basic uh, mostly for training reasons so that people, you know, watching the videos can follow along. Uh, I'll, I do the same kind of, uh, viewport. Uh, I'll put the render, uh, I'll put the render and the, and the render settings behind my viewport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also put my render queue back there and I'll also put the manual sometimes if I'm referring back to the, the help, mm. I'll put all that That's under cool the, um, under that so I could tab to see it. Um, I have been experimenting a little bit, Chad, with when I'm using Arnold and trying and playing with it is is your style layout, which is the bottom right corner is the IPR. Mm-hmm. And then the top is really your your objects and your attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been pretty helpful. I think we ha- I think I have to do something like that just because the IPR window is such a big part of Arnold. And I'm assuming it, it, once I try Octane, there's going to be that live preview as well yeah. where you got to dock that dude somewhere. And as we move forward, that's just going to be a part of a lot of workflows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might, I might go in that direction. There's no real tools um, other than our tools that I rely on so much now for lighting <laughs> and, and for animating. Um, I'm trying to think of other things like scripts I mean, when, when I get it for like, yeah, things. I've, I've experimented with like drop to floor and, and yeah, some drop of the to floor was the only one I used to regularly download, but I don't even do that anymore. Yeah, I I used to mess with that, but again, when it when it came to to training, it was almost like uh, it it got a little tricky, especially some of those basic things where it's like, well, you know, let me just show you how to how to make something look like it's on the floor, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, it it, it gets a little tricky for training, so I think that'll be an interesting thing as we move into Arnold and Octane and and do all these different trainings. I think it's going to be a little bit more. Um, you know, hey, here's here's our layout. <laughs> if right. you want to follow along, yeah, stuff getting segmented out, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's so cool that we can do that, though. You know, like I think that it's it's pretty powerful that you know um, 
number one, that you can make all these crazy layouts. I, I My biggest complaint about layouts is that they don't save with the scene file. Mm. Like, I, mm. I wish they did, because... Ooh, I don't think I would like that. I, I would love it, because sometimes, you know, you're working in a very specific way, maybe you're using a specific layout, and then you save it, and... Um, you want to get back to that layout and you don't want to have to like dig through oh, which layout was I using for this, you know, or maybe you yeah, want to save but then, it. But then now you go, but then you go and you add in three new buttons in your toolbar somewhere and then you go and open the old file and they disappear because you're into your old layout that was saved with the file. Yeah. But what if I wanted to share, I guess I want the option to have it on or off. That's hmm. what I want because I want to be able to say, I want to be able to create like a tutorial using Octane or something and have my Octane layout and then save the file and now people can work with it the exact same way that I was without having to be Ooh. like, oh, let me save, eh. let me export this out. I don't know. To, and then studios. Really could, unappealing to me, but I get why you're saying it. <laughs> well, Just that's, why, out your, that's uh, why this is a good conversation. I didn't, well, the, uh, once, once you get your layouts, save them and we'll share them and then people can, you know. There you go. I just People can uh, come find them and follow along. I just imagine like if I was still like a part of like a bigger studio like at DK and we and we were just starting to get into cinema when I left if we were like if we had like studio wide layouts that we could then standardize that would have tools that we that every artist needs and you know like that kind of thing is really interesting to me and like how do you I think it's cool that you can do that in um in cinema pretty easily if you wanted to you could deploy layouts for a team um maybe there's yeah, even you'd have to constantly update i know some of the artists i feel like i'm having like casey flashbacks maybe um of talking about these kind of things of like standardizing layouts between teams and being able to update it one place and have it update everywhere mm-hmm. and that's where like it almost be like a hot link where all right maybe you're like subscribed to our layout and then whenever we change it, yours does. That gets really weird, I guess. You're yeah, right, I mean, Chris. it would be like, cool if, if you're like at a studio. That makes total sense because then you could say, okay, refresh your layout or whatever, and you'll get the mm-hmm. latest script for this job or whatever you're working on. And that makes total now you sense. Can export, you can export and share pretty easily. It's a little tedious, but saving that step would help. I mean, if there was like a... Um, we used to have this thing too at, at DK that... Um, uh, Tim Little wrote, uh, we called it, uh, it was like copy and paste script. So if you were, you know, working on a job with somebody, you could essentially copy an asset and then they would hit paste and then they would get that asset if it's a model or whatever. Well, and that was super cool and useful. And, um, that was something that, uh, I was like, man, that's a, that's a cool idea. It doesn't really make sense for like everybody at large but like when you're on a job and you're like i just need that model really quick you know can you just copy it or a camera i just need that camera um we would do that all the time it was a really cool tool yeah it's a cool idea do you, do you know about the uh new.c4d thing chad you probably ran into that which one if, if you save a cinema 4d file in the master or where the software is installed like new.c4d Oh right! Yeah. Uh, that will be the default opening file, so you can put like objects or materials or up on render us. settings. 
uh, and then say save that. And every time you open the new file, that is what opens. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that too. We had that in um, uh, 3ds Max. We had that. I, I made use of that for sure. I actually, when I was going through my like organization optimization thing last week, I created scene files that had already. Um, had that whole output token thing for all the different renderers that I use. So I'm trying to get into the habit of just not opening up cinema and just start, you know, doing stuff. I want to like open a file that's already set up mm. and then work out of that file. I don't know how to do it, but I, I feel 90% confident in saying, and I, I do this all the time and tell people to do it. You can duplicate your executable. Mm. You, you know, which is mm-hmm. whatever, how many megs, but I'm pretty sure that you can associate that executable with a certain file or something. Mm-hmm. So you could actually make Cinema 4D Octane, Cinema 4D Arnold, mm-hmm. and then double click that icon and open up an iteration of Cinema that would mm. default to the settings you're talking about. Yeah, I mean... And, instead of opening a file, you could actually just click an executable. Yeah, that's true. You could do that too. I mean, what's the difference between that and just having the file sitting on your desktop and associating it with um, R18 or something, right? Uh, so pretty much the, yeah. the file would the file wouldn't have your uh, layout and all that. Yeah, the file wouldn't have the layout. There you go. That's but, the difference. Oh, but not the only and if you, would, and if you save, if you actually, you might accidentally save over it too. So that's that's <laughs> another bad thing about doing it that way. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that that would be. That would be cool to do it that way, because that way you're not like, oh, you know, I accidentally just saved over my default file. I love I'm that kind of stuff. That stuff. I love that stuff. I'm I just really get into like all the little ways of like cutting corners and like you know. Uh, there's so many places where that has messed us up. Like it's been beaten out of me. I used to customize <laughs> a lot, and it just doesn't. I mean, I, I, Nick, I think back to like our early tools that we were sending out. Like I think in the early City Kit, I had a very customized layout, and it had like all these different render settings in mm. there, and like the hair renderer was on, and all these other settings. Like Sketch and Tune was on by default. Oh yeah, and all these things. And then when we went and saved all the files, and we started sending these out to customers, they were like, "This is telling me I can't use. I, I don't have hair installed. What do I do?" And it's like CityKit doesn't use hair, but the render setting was in the file, and then we couldn't get it to to extract it out, and it's just like a nightmare. Well, hopefully, I won't. Hopefully, you can keep hopefully your, I, I your won't sandbox. Be, hopefully, that won't be beaten out of me. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm gonna try. I mean, I don't get like crazy into it, but like, I, I think it's fun to like you know get in there and like try to think about things from. Coming from like a, a team production background, like I'm always that's always on my mind. Like, okay, how can how would I do this, and how could I? Because I want to help people that are like tackling those kinds of problems. And for me, um, I ran into so many of those, uh, you know, over the years. That when I'm in an application that can actually do this stuff pretty easily, default wise, like you don't really need a plugin to do different layouts. You don't need a plugin to do. Um, uh, render takes and, and all that sort of thing. And takes are a whole other thing that I think are totally underutilized. Um, the whole take system is really cool. And uh, I've been getting into that lately too. And that kind of gets falls into that same category of like setting up takes. Like, is there a way... I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, takes are like really underutilized. And is there a way to set up takes... Um, to do things that your renderer can't do. For instance, um, maybe you want, and this is just hypothetical, like 
Octane's not really good at doing render passes and like making um, mats for things. In, in fact, it, it has a very limited amount of mats that you can generate um, within it. So I was thinking, like, man, is there a way to like script takes to like automatically generate mat takes for objects? You know, like, mm. is there because takes is like a really powerful thing that once you kind of understand how it's working, you're like, oh my god, I want to use this for everything. Um, what, what do you guys think about takes? Have you guys played with it? Not as much as I should. I think the concept is really powerful. Um, and I just haven't got enough screen time with it. I think it's more of a production tool where, you know, where we have, we kind of have a luxury of doing, you know, one-off tutorials of this one specific thing. And we know what our outcome is like trying to be and we're our, and our clients not there to yell at us to change it back to the old version Mm -hmm. but all those production things of like clients wanting versions or trying different things or even setting up renders overnight that i i end up having to do this with different scene files where i know takes does this i just don't quite know how multiple camera angles um trying out different uh textures on the same scene Mm -hmm. but 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 you know when i have the time at night when i'm about to walk away from my computer and i'm setting up all those renders so that i could show up the next day i feel like i'm i'm not taking advantage of takes the way i should because i think that would help that process a ton oh it totally would and i think that's you just hit it on the head you know like it's basically like you know takes are there they're sitting right there waiting for you to be used but a lot of people myself included until I made myself like understand how they could help my workflow, <laughs> like I just kind of was like, "Nah, you know, I'll just set it's, it." Up it's it, yeah, it's hand. one of those things. Like it, it'll take me two minutes to do it the wrong way, but it's going to take me twenty minutes to learn how to do takes. So you never sit down to learn takes. Well, Max Headroomed right yeah, there. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I think takes are really fun, and and like it, it for me, like it it helped me. I was doing some renders for um, some link promo stuff and i just needed to render out the same scene with a bunch of different hdris and i didn't want to have to like sit there and you know save out a million scene files and i was like takes yeah this makes total sense so it's one of those things where once you kind of figured out like how it works with your stuff you'd just be like oh yeah this this is awesome but i was thinking like man there needs to be more talk about it because i feel like there's not a lot of people talking about it yeah, it's definitely one of those things that if you took the time to do it, it would speed up every other part of your process, mm-hmm. but it's it's not a sexy thing or a fun thing or whatever, so like you just never have the 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 um you never put it on your schedule because you're like, oh, I'll just do it the way I've always done it. Yeah, that's that sounds like that sounds like not only homework that we should do this week. It sounds like homework we should give to the entire audience. Everyone has to go sit down and read the Learn help file takes. about takes. Do it, and then and then everyone's workflow will be increased by you know twenty minutes every day or something. There I don't you know. Go. Right, it's one of those um, like sharpen your axe kind of things that is not intuitive where you're like, well, I'll just keep going. I'll just keep working. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you take a step back and go, well, I'll learn this new thing and it'll save me an extra 20 minutes every day. And over the course of a year, I get like, you know, (laughs) three extra days of like productivity that I wouldn't have gotten. It's just what I know there's a lot of names for those kind of things, but they're just so hard to do. Like I just, did a tutorial and made a vignette in After Effects. And the, I made a vignette the way I always made, made a vignette. I made a solid, I made a ramp, 
I turn the ramp colors in backwards, put the Which you've, white on you've the inside. You've probably done that how many times? I've done that exact, uh, you know, formula, maybe close to a thousand times at this point in my in my career. So the fact that and, you keep doing it. Well, here's the thing. Now I always keep doing it in a tutorial because I want everybody to follow along. I don't want to use the, oh, yeah. the same that makes sense. the same reason we we don't you know try to keep things as vanilla as possible. Is I don't want to say click the special Nick preset of a of a gradient. Um, so I do keep it still like that, but. Sure. The chat room is going, there's a vignette tool now. <laughs> and I was like, when when did they come out with a vignette tool? Yeah, see? And they that, after there. they watch your 500 well, see, that, tutorial. That's, I think that's what I love. Like, I love those little, um, you know, yeah, I think it, I totally see what you're saying. Like, you want to show people how to do it, and, and that makes total sense. But at the same time... You have to show people how to sharpen their axe, like you said, and and knowing when to do that and like say, okay, I could keep, keep hitting it with this axe, but year after year, it's going to get duller and duller. And now all of a sudden I'm losing yeah. time because I'm hitting this piece of wood really hard and it's not breaking. But if I just took a day and learned takes and learned tokens and learned these things that will speed up my workflow that Maxon has spent a lot of time putting into the application then not only will you be faster and, and get do- things done quicker, but you'll also uh, allow yourself, you'll get into that habit of like once in a while taking a step back and being like, hey, I just made this same uh, you know, vignette 20 times. I should probably right. make this into a, a standalone little like layer or something that I can come back to. Because I'm, I'm like... I hate redoing things like over and over again. I hate, and, and I, I'm the same way. Like whenever I'm doing film grain, I always do it by hand. I'm always like, um, you know, I need this, I need a little bit more blue and a little, this size. And I should just save a preset of film grain right. and just, that's my film grain. Um, but yeah, so everybody, the homework should be, uh, learn takes or at least read about it and then tokens, and then also try to find something in your workflow that you do too much of and automate it because... I was going to say, this is this feels even a, uh, me not having done much with takes yet, this feels a little hypocritical because I'm the guy who's always yelling at everybody to learn their keyboard shortcuts. Mm. And, and I, I had a philosophy at one point where I flipped the switch in my head where I was like, if there's a keyboard shortcut, like I'm going to click it and then remember, oh, I didn't do the shortcut and then actually undo and force myself to do the shortcut because <laughs> wow. then you get the muscle That's memory. That's true. Uh, and without, without the muscle memory, there's no keyboard shortcut. If you have to look it up every time, it's not working. Right. That's totally true. I am so guilty of not of not using the keyboard shortcuts because it, it, it literally, I would have to do that. I would have to do what you just said. I would have to make myself do it. No, and that's what you do. But then a week later, you're like, everything is faster right. now. Like you, learning the selection tools, learning if you're doing some modeling, like just having well, do you five modeling shortcuts? Do you guys use your that head. V thing? Do you guys use that little marking menu kind of like V tool? The V tool? like if you hit V, you know, it brings up a little marking menu. Oh, I do not use that. So that was an. I do the direct shortcuts. So the that is a kind of a thing that Maya and Max have too, and and I, I spent some time kind of manipulating that and like making it my own and 
I just found myself like being like, meh, I don't know if I'd ever use this because like shift C kind of gets me everything that I need, which is, yeah. Shift C is my ultimate. It really is. That, <laughs> yeah. That's, like, that's, you need only need to know one. If you don't want to learn your shortcuts, <laughs> you only have to learn one. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's the best one. That, that's, that's a good halfway point. And, and you have to do that for a lot of tools. Cause there's a lot of tools that don't have shortcuts. Right. Yeah. I guess you could assign the shortcuts. I do do that. I, I actually started assigning, uh, alt, T to top coat, which is really useful. Mm. Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, I mean, you know, we do the same thing with our our own plugins too, and so maybe we're doing a disservice. It's like, you know, once now that we have these render presets that we all use so much now in like top coat and HDR Studio, and I know a lot of our customers do too. We kind of stopped explaining like all the all the render, you know, details. Right. If if we go back to like the vignette example, we get to that point in the tutorial where we're like, all right, now we have to dial up and down our render, you know, settings. Yep. And now instead of jumping in and having to re-explain like how crazy the render settings are in physical render and all the options and all that stuff, mm-hmm. we we gave people a tool now to like just say you want it low quality for now and then you want it high quality later. It's all right here mm-hmm. and. So we are skipping that step, right? We're we're not showing exactly what those are, but that's because it literally saves like, you know, a half an hour of right. not only our training time, but in their case as well. So maybe maybe even as a philosophy of tutorials, it's like, okay, beginner tutorials, if you get to the vignette area, let's show you how you make a vignette. Every time after that, if you know, the the fifth time you watch me make a gradient ramp in in After Effects, we might refer to that old tutorial, but now we just use the, the gradient. Well, right? you just have to, in the in-between, like you do it four times. The fifth time you say, here's how we make the preset. And then from that point forward, you just use the preset. And if it's on YouTube, we can just link back via like right. in-screen link. Like go go watch this if you don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a tough one because I, I, I kind of see both sides of that coin. You know, you got the people, you never know who's going to be watching it. And like, if they're going to be like, well, wait, he just glossed over something that I really wish he wouldn't have glossed over. Like, I want to know that. But at the same time, you have to preach that mentality of like, if you're doing this for the 20th time, do yourself a favor and make a preset, make a, you know, scene file, whatever it is that you're doing over and over again, figure out a way to optimize that workflow. And maybe that's just like a philosophy that you go in with. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be just something that we start preaching more and not necessarily doing it in all of our tutorials, but at least being aware of it. Yeah. Well, we've always done really well with, and and I kind of pride ourselves in this and in, in making sure that when beginners start learning Cinema 4D or After Effects, whatever we're teaching, that they feel welcomed because I feel there's so much software training in general that that is like elitist mm-hmm. in a way that's like, well, if you don't know this, then you don't deserve to be watching this anyway. So in a way, I think it came from that idea of like, okay, anybody could watch this Cherry 7-Up tutorial and follow along and get this result. That, right? Anyone can watch any of our, oh, like up until we started doing like the presets, Anyone could watch any tutorial, and we did it from scratch every single time. Right, right. But so, at the same time, then it turns into like, okay, I'm explaining the same render settings for the 50th time. Right, right. yeah. yeah. So it's, that, that it's, just it's, those two factors are really hard. There's a big push and pull between the two. So, I mean, my, my philosophy <clears throat> is, it, it, in training in general is like to, to, to try to keep it as much of it as welcoming as possible, because I think in in so many cases when i go to learn something there's always all this jargon that i have to go learn there's always all this like inside 
uh, acronym speak and all these weird words they start using. And that to me is always like one of the hardest things about learning something new. So yeah, maybe we just kind of, you know, have our beginner series like we have, like we have our intro to cinema 4d series. We have our videos, we have our tutorials, we have seven years of videos up now that have this kind of like welcoming beginner language. And as we, you know, start doing more things like octane tutorials and, and Arnold tutorials, we kind of assume that they're maybe past that level, or at least in, in like yeah. this kind of intermediate level of, cause to me there's, you know, there, there's there's a ton of different ways to structure this as far as knowledge and learning. But to me, there's the hardest part is that first part where you don't even know what you don't know mm-hmm. and you don't have the language to even type it into Google. Like you don't know what the heck, what what is modeling? Like they say, they keep saying modeling. I don't even know what that is. Or you don't, you you know what that mentally is, but you don't can't even type the word out because you haven't heard it yet. Mm-hmm. So getting people past that point is one of my, like most important things of making them understand, okay, this is X and this is Y, like all the real basic stuff so that once you get to that middle level of like, okay, I know where I think a lot of our, you know, viewers and customers are where it's like, all right, I know what I'm doing, but now how do I really like get better and speed up my workflow, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where we can introduce more presets and more more of those kind of things. So right. this may be a little inside baseball. I don't know if everyone's <laughs> interested in like how we, you know, make tutorials, but we do think about these things because, you know, we, we want to have the best training out there. We want pe- when people see our videos for them to go, Oh, I like the way they teach. They, they teach in a direct way. They don't gloss over stuff, but also once you get to a certain point, you kind of have to go, well, all right, let's, let's, you know, keep learning together right i think that's the, that's the key you know it's like i don't want people to ever feel like they've graduated from our our level of training you know um and that's that's something that you know i think is really important to me as uh, i always like i want to continue to learn and like every day i try to you know find something new to, to tackle and so i i want people of all levels to feel like they can get something out of our out of our training or our free tutorials and um, I think that that's really why the three of us, I mean, work really well together is because we all have like slightly different backgrounds and different uh, specialties. And um, uh, I'm, you know, personally, I think it's it's cool. Like I want, you know, I, I learn a lot from watching you guys and uh, seeing what you guys bring to the table. And, and especially Chris with uh, the Ask GSG stuff is like, I don't, I'm still pretty new to this program. So for me, it's like when I watch that, I'm like, okay, I barely have scratched the surface on this application <laughs> and I need to really understand it more. And then, you know, um, but then I'll go to an event and I'll talk to somebody who's really new to 3D and they'll be like, you know, really excited about GSG and about how it doesn't talk down to them like you were saying. And then you turn around, you talk to some pro and they're like, oh, you know, Chad, I watched your video on Arnold and it was really great. So like, it's awesome that we're actually able to talk to these complete, like these people are like 10 years apart in their career, maybe more. And like the fact that we, I want us to make, keep making that effort, which we really will, um, to talk to both those people. And it's important, I think, for us. No, that's... Um I'm glad we got to talk about that. It's it's important to me because, like you said, they a lot of people have grown up with us. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our longtime watcher, viewers, customers, they've 
learned, they've watched all these things, and now they're ready. They're like ready for that next thing. It's why I'm glad you're here, Chad. You know, to uh, to <laughs> they can graduate to to Chad Chris now. <laughs> Get off. Like I got you, I got you, Nick. I got you. Reflections. <laughs> the shiny. We need balls. a little bit more. Yeah, you know, we what was it last week? We were talking about how uh, it's evolved now into the subsurface balls. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Dude, even Beeple's latest um, uh, one was like awesome. It, it's just like all subsurface <laughs> balls, dude. I was like, dude, wow, that's so I crazy. Love it. And and it's really like. It's funny to watch that happen, and you're like, wow, it's interesting, because the software is really what allowed that to happen, you know? Like, when 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 rendering kind of got to this really po- good point where it looked really cool, and, like, GI and everything made it pretty accessible to make really interesting, realistic images, and you could just throw, like, a Fresnel on a, on a sphere, a bunch of spheres, and, you know, mode dynamics on it, and it looked amazing. And, it looked amazing. And now, like octane makes subsurface really really fast which it used to be really really slow which is why one you, of the slowest yeah which yeah. is why you never really saw it and it's the same thing like gi used to be really slow and that's why you never really saw a really pretty gi render with uh that's true and so like it's the it's this like evolution like what's going to be what is the sphere going to become next like yeah. you had right right now i think it's subsurface and depth of field yeah so yep. like, like what's what's the next what's the hurdle that that we have to that the sphere will overcome. <laughs> What's next for the sphere? Stay tuned in the next <laughs> Grayscale Gorilla podcast to find out. Yeah. Um, well, I think we should wrap this one up, folks. Uh, folks, it's you guys, guys. We're folks. There's two of us. We're folks. Yeah, we're folks. You get folks. Is it three? Is a folks? Sure. Three is a folks. That's my favorite '70s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, all right. As always, if you want to see the show notes, we have all this stuff on YouTube. You can go uh, to YouTube, find this episode, which uh, we're kind of calling episode five, even though the Grayscale Gorilla podcast has been around on and off for quite a few years. Um, but this is episode five of this iteration here. Maybe we should start doing seasons. Yeah. See, this is season two. Season two, episode five of the Great Scale Grill podcast. Check it out on our blog. And also, if you're subscribing through iTunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts, please go give us a review uh, or a comment. Those help a lot. Those help other people find us as well. So thanks for listening. Uh, anything else, guys, before we take off? Mm, nope. Nope. See, you, see you next week on Ask GSG. Oh, yeah. That's right. Wait, is uh, and, and on the podcast before that. Oh, yeah. That's right. And I'll see you, Chris, uh, and Ask GSG on Wednesday. Oh, that's what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Monday. so many things with GSG before we got the podcast, we got the we got the live show, we got uh, just, just stick around. We got a lot going on. <laughs> I can't even keep it straight. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Have, bye, have bye. a good week, everyone. <laughs>